0: do we really think about how long something's going to take? And I think we lose that perspective as well. And like you said, even the boss loses perspective of how long does it take my employee to do a certain activity? Because we're not just happening to walk by and going, God, you look like you're really wrestling with that.
1: Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. good morning good afternoon good evening to all who have chosen to tune in again for another episode of closing the gap with denise cooper where my conversations with experts in their field as well as just folks who want to talk to me result in us understanding what are the small steps that we each can take that will move us closer to where we want to be thus by closing the gap between where we are now to the success that we really want to have in the future. My guest today is someone who is returning. We love her. We love her. I love her because she always has the most interesting stories as well as experiences that we can have. And that is my good friend, Pam Brooks Richards. So let me give you a quickie background on her. If you haven't heard the other podcast, please go back. One of the things that she and I connect on a lot are two technologies that we love. One is Brene Brown's Dare to Leave, where she is a certified facilitator, and she was kind enough to help make me someone who went through the program and trained me on it, as well as conversational intelligence, which was originally founded by Judith Glaser. Both of those technologies help people to learn how to transform their lives, how to have better conversations, deeper relationships, smooth out those issues when it comes to making a strategy something that is operational in your organization, getting clarity on how to get the work done and ultimately promote high-performance, inclusive environments in your workplace. She uses assessment tools and understands people in such a way that she can create workshops and experiences that transform performance, both for individuals as well as teams and ultimately organization. She loves work that is coming out of neuroscience today and has studied a long time in that particular area. Some of her clients, if you'll remember, is philip 66, their international conference, Baxter Asia Pacific International Strategic Thinking Workshops in Shanghai, So she has this fabulous global background, as well as she has been the person behind ASU's Arizona State University's leadership organization. In her spare time, she's out there riding a bike, hiking, sailing, and even a bit of golf now with her husband, which that alone, (laughs) he's the expert, she's the novice, Uh, has got to have some interesting things going on. So with that, guys, Hey, Pam. How's it going?
0: Oh, gosh, Denise, it is so great to chat with you again. It's always great to be on the podcast and to catch time with you and the many things you're doing as well. So I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: I know, I know, I know. So we're going to dive in. And guys, this particular podcast is really about a phenomena that both Pam and I and probably you have noticed. And that is with two years going into the third year of having to deal with Pandemic and mask, et cetera, burnout is at an all-time high. And the issue really boils down to at least one major aspect is our ability to have good conversation and separate the emotional tag associated with burnout to how we relate to other individuals. But how do we set clear boundaries so that we're all able to push back? appropriately, and still maintain those relationships. So if you've ever found yourself going from meeting to meeting, seeing people on Zoom calls, or even if you're working on in retail or customer facing, where you're dealing with people who have a very short fuse, how do you push back and how do you have clear boundaries with them so that the work gets forwarded and you can do it in a way where you, on the other end, Come out less traumatized. So, Pam, talk to me a little bit about this topic.
0: Oh, man. I'm experiencing this a lot as a trainer and OD consultant at ASU because it has been this on again, off again, on again, off again. We're going to be meeting in face. No, we're not. Now we are. Now we are. And it is numbing in a way because of that yank and pull. It is also that difficulty of understanding how do I balance what I'm doing at home, which is work. How do I balance what's happening at home? And I think people are experiencing this very differently. I have my own office. I have a spot I can go. And other than my little dog, I don't have a lot of distractions. But as I talk to other workers that have their children at home, or they're trying to balance who's watching the kids in between sessions, or now that school's kind of back, but they're not, it's there's just a ton of things going on and i think the issue of burnout is caused by a lot of things but it's also that i want to say we have to come to an understanding and to reflect on what it is that's actually pushing us past our boundaries and i think that's the hardest part to get to the grips on because we get a little bit here a little bit there we get a little bit and and all pretty soon we're we're taken to pieces which is causing the overwhelm which leads to burnout and so we kind of have to go back and organize ourselves in a new way how do we said that this is the time that I'm going to be working. And if your boss needs something, I'm going to answer during this time, pushback. When you catch me out of hours, I'm not going to respond. And here's why. And I think, so when we think about boundaries, it's what we have to look at. What is, what is it that's causing that boundary? What is that that's causing pain? Is it the way that the other people are treating me, which is different than an issue of time? Is it the amount of time to try to get something done, like you're not getting it done in time and they're pushing back on that. And so we have to take that, that dive into the pieces of the overwhelm and unpack that before we go just, okay, we got to put a boundary
1: down. Does it also, interrupt you a bit, to some extent, I think this whole idea of being sequestered, for lack of a better way of saying it, has also caused us to really look at what our values are. And what is really a big priority? And so, you know, mesh that with what we know about assessments or personalities of folks. You know, there are those people who do really well by themselves, but there's a whole group of people that I don't think get much play that they are not doing well by themselves. And that causes them an enormous amount of stress is that they don't do well by themselves.
0: Absolutely. As I was going to say that unpacking, how do you unpack one way to, if you haven't done it is to get assessments, to understand that about yourself. And I know I'm more introverted. So that part of it wasn't bad, but I went from just being sequestered to moving at the same time, which double isolated me. And then I realized, no, I'm kind of what they would call an ambivert. So there's introverted, there's extroverted and there's an ambivert, meaning that there are times I like that connection. I want that interaction. And I'm not getting it. So then it's that step back and go, how do I create that in a new way? How do I make that space to make the connections I would have had if I walked down the hall to, you know, and bump into somebody, so to speak, and go, hey, how's your day? And then wind up talking about something that leads to a good aspect of work. And so that's not even just boundaries, but it's also establishing new interaction patterns, which is in a way boundaries going, hey, you know, I'm going to leave about five minutes extra so we can just get down and chit chat before we get into what we're doing. Or I'll finish like my Dare to Lead workshop and go, we're done. I know we need to release right now, but if there's any of you that want to hang on for a few minutes, this is like the post meeting, like we're walking around and some people are wondering, is there something you would like to chat about? And to create that space, for that connection and to give the permission for that connection to happen. Because I, you know, I found like yesterday, I'm, I'm on 15 minutes early and somebody comes on I'm like, Oh Pam, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know. And I said, no, I've purposely opened this up. Is there something you'd like to chat about? This is you and me in the meeting room before it starts. And it was like, Oh wow. And then we had this great conversation. So there's that side of knowing ourselves what we need and how do we find other ways to get it and be resourceful. And even in my class, we deal with values. And I think this is something else that's really important, not just for individuals, but for teams. It's a time to reflect back on what were my values and has there been a shift for some reason? Mm -hmm. And what is it that I really want to say is important? Because then when I know my value, now I can make decisions based on it. And I have hands down in the Brene Brown training, when we hit that, I've had at least five or six people per class go, God, I thought I knew what my values were. And this has caused me to totally rethink because I'm changing, you know, really what I'm doing based on this. And if that's true, then this is what I value. And this is how I, then you start with that. And then you go down and say this, if this is what I value, this is how it affects the decisions that I make. So knowing myself and what I need important, that's self-care, but then knowing my values and what's important, how does that manage? And then that I've had to be teaching people in my class. It's like, I've had a couple people on this verge of like the tear burnout. Like my boss asked me to do this one more thing. And I said, and what'd you tell them? Well, I yeah. told them yeah. us because I just didn't feel like I could push back at them. And I said, take a breath and go, yes, and. And they're like, hmm? and I said, so you're taking on something new and it's okay for you to take some time and sort that and to go back and say, great, I can take this on. So in doing that, Love to. Yes. And I would like to know how to reprioritize some of these other tasks that I've got because I'm not going to get them done in time, or I'm not going to complete them to the level of my normal capabilities. And that that's okay for you to push back up, so to speak, and let them know you've dumped extra and I've evaluated it. And I'm glad to do it because that's, I am a pleaser. Like I'm going to do that, but then to go, and you know, how does this make a shift in what else that I'm doing and to make them aware of what that shift might be.
1: You know, and I think this is really an important point to bring up for folks because I think, you know, before we didn't really push back and I think people were really unclear about the priorities. And when the boss gave you something, you just assumed that that was what was the most important thing. But because we're not having those hallway conversations, information gets missed in terms of what is the real priority versus the not the real priority. But the other thing is, is I think You know, I even find myself going from meeting to meeting to meeting, and we don't have enough of the conversation around the impact of saying no to this and saying yes to that. And so when I'm talking to executives and they're saying, you know, well, my people said that, you know, they don't come back to me. They don't think through this. I have to sit and think through all of these ideas and what the implications are and whatnot. And my answer is always, well, did you ask them to do that for you? Did you ask them when they came to see you that they thought about if you're going to add one more thing, what does that do to the other priorities? Because I think what used to happen, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that used to happen is, you know, we prioritize speed and we prioritize, you know, get it done at whatever it took, but we could also see the work. Well, as a manager, you could even if you weren't somebody who was always over or micromanaging somebody about the work, you could see when a person was actually getting to the fill place. You had those side conversations that were talking about, "Wow, it took me two hours to get that email through," or "It took me, you know, a couple of days to, re- to work out that spreadsheet." I had to go to talk to so so you could get kind a of sense of where and how long the work took. Where now that's not true at all. You can't see those kinds of things and you can't get that information if, you know, there's not a way to do that. Does that make sense? It
0: is. In this hybrid world, we're missing the the context. You know, one of the things that Brene brings up in her workshop is what she calls the five C's. And I really think that in this world, it's like, we should go. And I'll, I'll explain what those are just real quickly. But we need to go to something that gives us a checklist when something comes up so that we can check back in, in the ways that we weren't checking that we used to be able to naturally. And even like, as you said, when the boss gave us an assignment, we could tell by their body language, how urgent it was. And now we're getting an email. How do we know? You know, if we saw that, then we would probably had a carried conversation about it and said, okay, so you want me to do this? We would walk through the five C's verbally with them and go back and forth. But now we just get it in an email where we get the short Zoom call and we get our responsibility thrown at us, but we don't get that interaction. And so that's something else I know I've done is to throw in time to cover this with the people I work with. So one of the things that she talks about is to build what she calls grounded confidence, that ability that we can go, I know what to say, I know what to do that's going to help me. And so that puts calm back in our world. But that comes through Different things that we do, and one of those is her strategic, like thinking repertoire. And so her five C's are color, context, connective tissue, cost, and consequence. And the color is getting the full idea of what that what it entails. You've just been assigned something, so maybe it's not even a pushback, but maybe I need to clarify. And sometimes it's also that understanding of, okay, so what does paint done? When does this have to be done by? Maybe we need to just take time to clarify questions instead of just taking it on. Like we got to do this whole thing. And I've had a ton of people I've coached to go, yeah, my boss told me to do it. And I I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, look, you ask questions back. I don't think I can. I'm like, have you tried? No, try. So anyway, the color is painting done. It is getting the idea of what does done look like with paint on the wall, like What's this project going to look like? I kind of have the ability to ask that because then
1: I can give you scope and capabilities before you move forward. So one of the things that I notice when I'm talking to people about what does done look like, what the context, the color is on this, is that in the room, in the staff meeting or in the meeting with everybody, everybody nods their head and goes, yeah, I understand. I understand. I understand. Then they go away. They start doing the work and they go, uh, uh, what did they want? Or how did this look like? And your point about not going back to ask questions, people have to understand that, that in the minute, we might think we know what we're supposed to be doing. But then the reality of actually trying to do it is it Not to mention how many times have you brought something to your boss thinking that's what you were supposed to do. And it's not even your boss, a colleague, someone else. And they go, oh, that's not exactly what I wanted. So the importance of setting up that first one and what are the rules and the boundaries of, can I come back and ask you questions? Let me get into this. I think that's an important piece that if you don't set that up right, the first in the beginning and have that kind of space to be able to come back and say it, everything else that comes lands wrong so go ahead I just wanted to say that because that Uh, is the one that it it is and so think about it in terms of a team meeting
0: Mm -hmm. you know they say the meeting after the meeting is awful but as you're sitting in a meeting and you've got somebody sitting next to you you can even turn over and go yeah like okay how did you take that what did you what were you thinking we don't have those side conversations that add to it instead we might have the email pop up like the thing was being discussed and we're like oh yeah 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 and then you're like what did I just say yes to? And I don't want to admit that I was looking at something else on my screen and now I'm committed to something and I have no idea what I committed to. That's where we have to have the open, honest communication. So yes, getting that idea to paint done and even to go, hey, I'm saying yes to this, but do you mind if I set up a meeting? I just want to clarify afterwards. Excellent, right? I'm not putting them down. I'm not saying no, but now I'm allowing a space and I'm getting that permission to come back and ask that question. Yeah. So in doing that workup, then when I come back, I don't want to go empty handed. So these, the rest of the five C's are excellent. So you want to ask also what's the context. Mm -hmm. So we've been giving this. And if I don't know how it relates to whatever this little piece project adds to the other project or adds to the company value or the company output, I'm lost. Mm -hmm. And then along with that, it's just like the same thing. It's the connective tissue. So, the more information I get, like maybe you ask for some accounting figures or you ask for something, and I go, Cool, I can pull up numbers. But then I go, God, you really want, what are you doing with these numbers? And I find out that you're trying to do a presentation, and I go, Oh, well, maybe instead of those numbers, you might want these things as well. Now I'm getting the picture, so I know how to best serve you and what it is that you're looking for instead of just giving you what it is. Cause I've had, I've been frustrated with that too. It's like, yeah, I'm working on a project and I go, yeah, I need this. And then the person does just that. And I'm like, that doesn't
1: help me. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Or
0: or worse, you knew this other information and you didn't get back to me with it. Like, but we don't have the conversation to pull that out. So that context of how does it fit in and the connective tissue of how does this not just fit into right now, but how does this fit into the bigger picture? We're losing sight of that sometimes in just our micro meetings. Then the one that was is always fascinating is we go cost. and we we'll go, "Oh, yeah, now we think about time, money, resources. Mm. But do we really think about how long something's going to take? And I think we lose that perspective as well. And like you said, even the boss loses perspective of how long does it take my employee to do a certain activity because we're not just happening to walk by and going, "God, you look like you're really wrestling with that." Yeah, like this little thing has become, you know, unsurmountable, or there's this lock of something. And so when we go to the cost, that one sometimes needs continued check-in <laughs> about how many resources is this? How much time is it taking? Whatever. And as we're doing a project that we have that ability to keep going back to the boss connecting,
1: yep.
0: Hey, I said, I was going to have this to you by next Tuesday. And you going, I'm not going to get it by next Tuesday. Isn't a pushback? It's like, Hey, if I get it to you by next Tuesday, this is missing. But if, if you want me to work through everything, I'm gonna need X days. And so it's that ability to communicate about these five C's to remove that overwhelm and that stuff. But we have to get to that grips of what is it? And then the last part's the consequence. And I think this is the other part that we don't get. It's like, oh my God, if I don't get that done by Tuesday, what's gonna happen? We don't have that conversation or we exactly. don't know because we're, you know. And I had a chat with someone that said. God, yeah. He said, I've been suffering from these things. And I said, you know, I miss our stand-up meetings. We used Mm. to have stand-up Tuesdays. And the guy said, what's that? And I said, well, when we met as an office, we had designated Tuesday to be a stand-up meeting. We weren't sitting down. We weren't going to go through our notes. It was just a check-in and everybody got to go, what are you working on this week? What's your crunch point? What do you need help with? And what else is coming down your pipe kind of thing. And it was just a real quick boom, boom, boom. And when someone said, God, this is my crunch week on X, we all knew it. And it would be like, hey, how can I help you? Or Mm -hmm. the boss could go, oh, gosh, I didn't realize I was crunching you so bad. We've got a few extra days to do it. Like That stand-up meeting was a way to just very quickly get ourselves off. And it never lasted more than 30 minutes.
1: Yeah, it's a temperature check.
0: It was. It wasn't an agenda meeting. It wasn't like I'm trying to pitch anything. It was just a complete stand-up check-in. And I said, so do it on Zoom and make everybody stand up for the Zoom meeting, do something different, you know? And he's like, oh man, I'm going to implement that this week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. Just a 30 minute, you know, 15, 10, 15 minute check-in just to get the temperature of what the workload is, how are people handling it, giving them permission to be able to say, you know, so-and-so told me I needed this. And you can go back over some of the five Cs, context, color, cost, attention. See, and, and when costs, you know, we think of money, we think of, of time in terms of how long to do it, but we really don't think about it from an attention and bandwidth, mental bandwidth point of view. And that's one of the things that I've started bringing in is, okay, so how many other things are pulling at your attention, which leads me to this other question I want you to talk about. So one of the things in this overwhelm that I'm noticing, and I, I love your perspective on it is, is that People who were fully capable before get in my meetings and they tell me a hundred reasons why they can't get it done. But when I pull them back to say, what's the most important thing? They'll tell me X and then I'll say, okay, what's one small step that you can take? And they give me 50 reasons why they can't take that small step to get forward. And I think that's part of the overwhelm in doing that. But that's also, there's nothing I can do and there's nothing their boss can do. To help them because ultimately they have to change their behavior. They have to set aside 15 minutes to clean up those emails. They've got to set aside 20 minutes to clean up their desk so that they can be slightly more organized to do those kinds of things. Or they've got to think about what they need to delegate. Where are they really spending the best part of their time, their brain power, and where can someone else help them to do those kinds of things? Is there something going on like in the brain or in the? I know you've got neuroscience going on, but it just seems like people are struggling with this whole idea of focusing on why I can't do it versus really jumping into solutions around what they can do.
0: When we get into a state of overwhelm or panic, our brain starts shutting down. Mm-hmm. And the most intelligent human being loses the focus. And I think the other thing that I find in this COVID world, and I've caught myself in it, so I'm just as guilty as the next person, is in that state of going, oh my God, I can't do this and I can't do that, we're losing the control and we're putting ourselves in a victim mode. Mm-hmm. And when we put ourselves in a victim mode, we are, we're, we're panic, we're, we're anxious, we're whatever, and it's contagious. And I will say it's one emotion. I think that it's contagious across the airway. <laughs> 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 when you're get in a meeting. People can tell. And then they get anxious. like, why is she anxious? But we don't talk about it. So everybody's anxious. And then we've contagiously like spread this like ah. mm-hmm. or if we could take a few minutes to just breathe and focus and have the, you know, the quick stand-up meeting. And I like the fact that it was on Tuesday and not Monday because Monday was always chaotic and crazy anyway. And so then it was like, I could get through that chaos and then I could get to Tuesday and go, okay, I'm looking at my week and here's the priority. And I think as leaders, we need to help our people to do those things. And yet at the same token, there's a bit of what I would call a lack of ownership. Mm
1: -hmm. We have
0: given up in this world, the fact that we actually have control over our time
1: Mm -hmm. and our
0: management Mm -hmm. because we've let these things just start pulling us. And it's A little bit with the video screen. I mean, think about it. I get rewarded for finishing an email, but I didn't get rewarded for taking the time to just work on this project. And in the workspace, we used to be able to go, I'm in my cubicle right now. I'm shutting down, like I'll turn off my phone. But now we don't feel like we can shut all those little things off. And yet we need to go back to that and then physically put on our calendar. This is my work time. I'm not going to talk, text, or type to anybody else. I'm doing my work. Mm -hmm. And it's to be okay. That's the boundary. I'm okay with it. My boss is okay with it. And that gives me time. But if I don't make that time, then everybody else is going to take that time. Yeah. And I think the other thing for me, like I think back in the physical world, when I used to have a meeting, I used to have to schedule the 15 to 20 minutes it took to get to that meeting yeah. and get back from that meeting. What did that give me? 15 to 20 minutes to prep in my head what's going to go on and 15 to 20 minutes to let down from it. Mm-hmm. But when we schedule meetings now, it's like, oh, it's just on Zoom. I'm not scheduling the 15 to 20 minute break between meetings. And so I run from one meeting and my head isn't even out of that meeting and I'm clocking into the next, bringing all the baggage from that one into my next one. So by the end of the day, I'm like, I can't even think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting because there's this perception or at least I get feedback from people that says, you know, I could never not take that meeting because they'll think I'm not working. And so there's this whole lack of permission for taking because you're just at home kind of thing. Or if you're on the front line with a customer, you know, customers are backed up and there's not enough product. There's not, you know, people are a little edgy, those kinds of things. There's not permission to say, you know what? I just had a really bad call. I need to go walk around. I need to decompress from this person was really mean to me or this person was and there was nothing I could do because I'm responsible for being always on, always happy, always blah, 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 blah. And the same in the Zoom call. I don't have the luxury because everyone assumes that I'm not working if I'm at home. So I've got to be able to show up. So I'm going to show up. And you need that decompression time. And so that's one of the boundaries that as a leader, you really have to talk about with your folks of it's okay to not do this. And and it goes hand in hand with a leader's responsibility to set priorities. What are and the things the that are most important have to have that conversation? They have to help their people set the boundaries. Yes. You have to be curious
0: enough to ask, do you need this boundary? Would this help? What can we do to clarify things so that we don't wind up with stuff? And I know one question we talked about possibly asking was about Brene's new book mm-hmm. about emotions. And so it just came to me one of the big takeaways that she had in it was how much our unmet expectations are causing frustration
1: expectation hangovers oh god and i think that's
0: part of this is i think my boss wants these things my thought my story of their expectation right and so now based on that i'm putting pressure and stress and everything else on myself to meet this expectation that i think they have right When we met face-to-face, we could gain greater clarity on that, but now we don't. So now we just have these unmet expectations in our head and then we get overwhelmed and we feel whatever. But the boss on the same token has to realize, oh God, like I said, have you considered green? And they're going, oh my God, she just told me to change everything to green. I need to change everything to green, right? Instead of being able to have that open communication channel, which does take more work. It takes a different type of discipline of saying, okay, we're just going to meet for a few minutes. I want you, you know, like, Brené, we're going to run through the five C's. Like, I want to make sure you ask me questions around this so that you're really clear. Mm-hmm. Or if I assign an activity and the person's going, uh-huh, uh-huh, sure. Know that that uh-huh, uh uh-huh, sure is not sure. Like, yes. they're saying yes to you. And that, you need to take that five seconds, that, that five minutes and say, okay, cool. I'm going to let you wrap your hands around it. And come back to me tomorrow, come back to me in a couple of days and tell me what that looks like for you. Right. Walk through it then. Right. So that we then are on the same page. And I have let that time, especially if I've done a big Zoom meeting, I find this happens. You get 10 to 12 people. You can barely see everybody on it. And maybe somebody's been designated to take notes. And if you don't have somebody, make somebody. Yeah. And you start taking track of who's been assigned what. And people by the end of that meeting were Zoomed out like, okay, yeah, I just agreed to that. You need to get up not just the notes, but the follow-up list of who's doing what at the end of that meeting and when was it supposed to be due by. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't get that, then you need to go back and clarify and say, hey, you're going to do this. Let's talk about it. Let's figure out when that has to be done by. And so it's more detail work on terms of the boss being able to do it. But that's what we need to create that more open communication channel. You know, like we learned with Judith Glazier. God, there's things that we do that promote open communication. There's things that we do that don't promote it. What's happening in the COVID Zoom world, and I think people are even going to Zoom now that we're face-to-face, like, I don't have to drive across campus. Yeah, we can just have a Zoom meeting. Like, we could have had it face-to-face, but we're opting to do the easy thing. Yeah. How do we still create that connection and understanding of what am I doing that's promoting open, good communication? Mm -hmm. And what am I doing that's potentially triggering something in the person that I'm not seeing them and I've triggered it? Right. Create that again, follow up communication from what's happening. Right. I think in terms of boundaries, sometimes it's knowing your employee and maybe you don't need to, maybe you know that they're fine. Right. But it's that one where they've gone silent and they're not responding to an email. Normally they respond what's going on. Hey, is this a case of you're overwhelmed and you don't want to respond to me? Or you need space because you're not responding to me. I need now to clarify. If I see even just a little something, let's create a communication around it. Let's clarify. Let's let's open that up and let's create communication so that we're on that same page. And it's going to take a little more time
1: to create that space. In the beginning, but once you create it, then it goes faster. And I think that's the piece that we miss. You know, when I was saying, oh yeah, I know I need to do this. Oh yeah, I need to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's 50 reasons why I won't. Start now to be able to do it. And so, if people don't take anything away from, or if you're going to take one important thing from this conversation, it really is don't underestimate the impact of how the burnout and the way we've had to change the way we interact with people has impacted our level of productivity, our level of being able to perform, because many of the things that foster higher performance when we were physically together, no longer exist. And so if you're going to be a good leader, then you've got to figure out a way, you and not figure out the way, because we've given you at least two good ways of doing it, right? One, the five Cs, and just practice that. And the other is meeting management. Nothing we've talked about is not in decades old, this is how you run a good meeting. Take notes, make sure you assign people, Make sure that people are following, don't have meetings that are so long that people fall asleep in them, you know, kinds of things. Stand up meetings have been around for a long time. You know, all of this stuff has come on us in different ways, and we've had to
0: change our habits. Yeah. You know, I did the book about atomic habits, and there's been a couple other great books out on it. It's a tweak here and a tweak there that really isn't going to take that much more time, but it's just a, a tweak. Like, okay, normally we would do this. I'm going to, add this one more connection piece to it. I'm going to make sure that I tell everybody when you have meetings and it blocks out, make sure that you give yourself an extra 10 minutes between meetings and then we won't overschedule you Mm -hmm. like block out time. And so those are what we call micro habits. They're not like this over. And I think that's the thing is some people think there's this sweeping change of all these things I've got to do. Yeah. Yeah, And it's like, no, I can just change one little thing here. Right. One little thing there. And The big thing is, is that one here, one there doesn't make a difference that much maybe from day to day, but if you continue to make those little tweaks here and there, oh my God, the change that's going to happen in a month and two months is going to be so noticeable that you're going to look back
1: a couple of months and go, God, we used to have those problems. Like where'd they go? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of it is it really is small steps. Just a little tweak here, a little tweak there with intention. Knowing that if you keep doing it, you know, past the habitual, you know, we drop our habits in the first seven days, we drop our habits in the next 14 days, but trying to do the best you can do, but continually staying on that path, small steps, consistently done over time creates amazing results. And that's the message that we want you all to take away from it. Pam, this has been a fabulous time. Unfortunately, it always goes faster than I think. And just when we're getting revved up and having a good conversation, it's time to say, Oh, we got to go.
0: <laughs> I know. There's so many other things, great conversations to have.
1: I, I know. I know. I know. So, Pam, how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk to you more? They are free to email me at CC, that's
0: cat, cat, success, S U C C succes at gmail.com, which I'm sure you'll have posted somewhere. Yep, um, yep. Or reach out to me and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find out there and love to connect and find out more of what you're doing and how sometimes even synergy, what can I do to help you or what can you do to help me
1: in this lovely world that we have today? Yeah, and guys, I want you to know that one of the things I love about all my guests, but particularly Pam, is, is that they when they say reach out, help me. They really do mean that they are here for support. So it's not, you know, some way to get back at you or this or that, or buy more from you. They really want to help because people like Pam and myself, hearing your stories helps us get better at what we do to work with our clients better, to give you better content, to give you better information so that you can do that. So with that, hey, if you really like this, I hope that you will follow on your favorite platform, podcast platform. The other is, is check out our show notes so you get a a little bit of it. And then of course, what I always say is, please share it no matter how you feel about it. If you like it, sharing it with other people. If you don't like it, share with other people because I promise you, it will generate a conversation that will help you close the gap. With that, I want to say thank you so much, Pam. Thank you, Denise. It's been wonderful being on the show again. And guys, talk to you next week. Bye-bye. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend Ivan G. Hall for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.